Hey everyone, welcome to episode 181 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, and Richard, and no Andy, but Jeff. We got it. Welcome back. Yeah, we we got it back in again, although it is a, still a different day. We got Yeah, and it's a Tuesday because Monday is not always good. Sometimes, maybe, could be. Tuesday was our day. That's good to be back. And yeah. it's good to be here with Richard. I know, right? This is, the, this is it. He says he's never coming back to preach ever again. That's what uh, he said last week at the end of the podcast. That he's can't like, be true. I don't think it's going to be true. I, no. I think that's just... I think that's just nonsense. It's going to be a long time. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, we started in the Psalms and David and lineage. And last week we were back to the golden age. This week we were, we traveled to Kanye City. And so, you know, wrapping up this musical faith. By the way, did, was that Kanye at the end? Did mm-hmm. we, okay. Yeah, that's it was good, right? Yeah. yeah. When he's like, and oh, by the way, the music you walked into today was Kanye West. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, look at that. He's being sneaky. Mm-hmm. But good. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. So I would encourage you, if you missed any of the first two, that you would really check out this series because I think it adds a context that we don't often talk about because it seems like if your church is of one persuasion or another that we've already decided that this is the way it works. And we don't really want to hear about any of the in-between stuff, things that could be, maybe things that should be, maybe things that were, ah, things are the way we like it. Don't mess with it. But if you look, if you're looking for a new perspective, or there's someone you would like to open up a new perspective to, maybe a good episode or two or three to share with your friends. All right, in the outline of this week's message, Richard, early on in your delivery, the question to end all worship questions were posed was posed. And I don't recall while listening or reading through your transcript that it was answered directly. So let's get the ball rolling by putting this one to bed. What kind of music does God like? I didn't hear like, oh, it's rap or it's you know, hymns or it's bluegrass? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I answered it indirectly in that God likes music from a humble heart. Yeah, but I don't like that answer. I know you do. I really wanted, I, I, want, I, I was looking for more I controversy, know. Richard. Work with me here. Fine. Look, look at this. He I, likes folk music, obviously. I put this <laughs> in. David was a folk singer. Okay, Come I put on. this in bold, okay, yeah. because I'm just like, I really want a bold answer here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> God likes God. You know, I quoted that God isn't worried about the right song and the right key Mm, and the right style. He's worried about the status of our hearts. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Now, we are worried about song, the right song, <laughs> and I really am worried about all of those things. Oh. And that's okay because I'm right at the apex of the horizontal and the vertical. So I'm with the people and helping navigate the praise going up. And so yeah. we, we want to we do those things. But that's just where it gets murky if we don't constantly remind ourselves and, and our teams About why. You know, it's easy when you're on a platform and you're raised up and you're playing an instrument and people always come up to you and they say kind things to start letting that get to your head. And so that's why every day we have to remind ourselves that it's not about us. It's not about our talents, gifts. It's just about an offering, just about sending up an offering and helping others realize that. I like that. Oh, here's what I think. I don't think God really likes that question. Uh-oh. Because it's it's a divis- divisive question. And I think that, as Richard pointed out, in these three sermons, all through history, music has been a pretty divisive Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
modality in a sense. I mean, it is especially the golden age. I mean, Bach and uh, and some of the others, uh, there were classical musicians were kicked out of church and put in jail, I think. Wasn't Bach put in jail? I think mistaken. he was for drunken fighting, but that's, that, a, that's <laughs> a different story. <laughs> maybe but, maybe but pushed today, him to drink. All this arguing, we just pushed him. But I, but I think that's the issue is that we try to either moralize or – we try to put God on one particular style, yeah. and, and I think that's a part that, that God probably would not like to be a part of. I mean, and last week we brought up on the podcast from the Saturday Evening Post back in 1969. That's like, why does every generation hate the music <laughs> that, the, com- that comes after comes it? After them. You're like, this is not just a worship issue. It's, it's a, just music in general. And then we, we start to add Bible text here and there that you can take in and say, well, this, this is, you know, this kind of music might be holier than this kind of music or God might like this kind. What kind of music does the Florida Hospital Church like? In that when we are being intentional about what we do, what kind of music do we like? And maybe this ties into – I want to go back to the question you just first asked about your Saturday Evening Post, yeah. which I didn't answer last week either. But now I'm ready to answer your All right. Question. That's cool. One of the reasons why we have such a hard time doing it is, is about the psychology of music and it hmm. really lends itself to that as humans – and these last few generations anyway, we connect with the music of our youth. So what was your sophomore year of high school? What, when, when, what year was that? Sophomore. I graduated in 90, so that would have been what, 87? That's 87, 88. So yeah. you know, if I said to you something about – I don't know who, what you're listening to, In Excess or oh, yeah. or some specific song, that would just really lock you in to a, to a time in our brains, the way they were shaping out. But as you get older, music therapists tell us that – our brains kind of get locked into that. And so new sounds can sound harsh and foreign to us and almost be a physical blow to us. And it's just, it has to do with psychology and our makeup and science. And so But to us it's re it's normal. It's a very normal thing. Happens. But to help people though, if we want to connect them to current music, that's where music education can really come in. You explain it, you explain the sounds, you tell them why we're doing it. Mm. And then when someone then has a, is you're starting to remove those barriers, then that sound can, can have some help to be accepted. Mm. Um, and, and also we know that the more we listen to something, then the more it sounds normal. Yeah, we start to, we it. start to accept that. So those are a couple of reasons why. So using that with our congregation, um, you know, it, we do try to, you know, when we have a new song, we want to get them familiar with it. We may put it on our Facebook page. We may play it for the prelude. We may play it on our, uh, as they're walking in a week before they're coming in or something. So the sounds are starting to come into their ears. I like that. Well, and I think that comes into a quote you quoted by Sally Morgenthaler? Yeah. She said, we have failed to make an impact on contemporary culture, not because we've not been relevant enough, but because we've not been real enough. Mm -hmm. And so how do you see real enough? And what does that look like in church worship for you? Like part of what you just said, I think, is what you're talking about is just saying this is how we're going to do it. We're going to explain it. We're just going to be upfront about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And we hope you get on board. Mm -hmm. Is that how that works? Yeah, no, a great example of that would be – 
talking about Kanye West this week. I yeah. mean, that it took it took a little bit of courage to really go there and to do it not for the sake of shock value, but because it's a real thing to talk about. And so I don't know that every congregation is capable of that. Or maybe they don't have uh, congregants that it would be relative to. But sure. I, I found it to be relative to our – I had you know one of our students say – I'm going to go to school this week and tell my friends that we're going to talk about Kanye West next week in church. <laughs> that was like, you know, that was neat, but it wasn't again something for shock value, but it was about being real and these are conversations. Like and so what's what should be our approach? It's a hard it's a it's a tough question. It's easy to give some trite answers about that. Absolutely. A yes or a no. It's much more challenging to acknowledge the positives and the negatives. I thought you laid that out well, though, within the Kanye discussion. And I, I like the fact that you said, just coming from memory here, Kanye, is he full grown in his Christian walk? Is he, you know, is he going to fail as a young Christian? Of course he is. I mean, are the rest of us still failing in our long Christian walk? Mm -hmm, of course we mm -hmm. are. And I think you said something to the effect of, uh, with Kanye as a, maybe as the poster child for the new Christian music, you know, does he have to be perfect? And if he does, well, then you need to look at some of the people that have written hymns mm -hmm, <laughs> and, exactly. and, and other, other things. I, I like that because again, that makes it part of a real conversation that something I hold dear, they weren't perfect either. Mm -hmm. And I might not, I don't even know if I understand Kanye. Let's be mm -hmm. honest. I, I don't well, think true. I do. True. Well, so. and, that, and that's the thing too, is I want to separate his work from him. I mean, let's say I'm using the hymnal, you know, I don't go study the life of that composer to see the great lyrics and to sing that song. And we were singing these psalms and look at the sins of David. I mean, you know, sure. he was, at the, you know, so it's really not about to me the sins of the composer. It's yeah. about is this work, can it stand on its own? Is it, you know, holding biblical principles well? Is it talking about the right things? You know, blah, 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 all those things that, that should be in a good song. Yeah. I mean, if it's at the heart of it, if it's uplifting Jesus and it's immersing ourselves in what the thought of what we're singing is, not necessarily who wrote it or yeah. what time period it came from. And, and I'll just add that so there's some common sense there as well. You know, if there's some – What? I don't know what – some <laughs> extreme thing and the, uh, someone would throw an example about, you know, some – I don't know dark agent, you know, th doing something. Well, of course we, we want, you know, Charles Manson, if he wrote a hymn, yeah. you know, and I mean, as much as we know, and as much as it is makes common sense and can be useful for the body and honors God, then we want to do those things. I like it. I've actually heard a song, which I was tricked into, didn't know who it was. I'm a big U2 fan, thought I'd heard all their mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. And we sang this song one week. This was, oh man, probably 15 years ago. And it was a U2 song. Yeah. But, you know, it mentioned, you know, worshiping God, praising God. And the lyrics were very much, I mean, at least as far as newer music was concerned, it was right on par with anything you would hear that you would consider a worship song. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying anything bad about Bono, but I mean, a, here's a secular artist that obviously has some belief, or at least he's challenging his own beliefs about God. And um, it kind of changed my thought process about what might be appropriate to be singing in church or how praising God might work. Mm -hmm. I thought that mm -hmm. was, it was, it opened my eyes. Humans created in the image of the one who created them to be creative. Mm -hmm. 
doing ourselves in this role pulls us closer to God when we see ourselves working with God, using that creative talents that he's given us to impact our world for his glory. But to think of ourselves that way, that's, I think it comes naturally for people like musicians, maybe singers, people that create things that others might find extremely difficult or maybe even impossible. I can't sing on tune. I have no idea what that sounds like. Public speaking for some, maybe writing music or building things by hand, like ugh, hammer and nails. What would I do with these? I've you know watched Bob Vila. He knows what he's doing. But I hear people say all the time that I wasn't blessed with creativity or, oh man, you should meet my brother, my sister, my friend. They're the creative one in our, you know, in our family. How can we help those that don't see their creative gifts or don't truly recognize the impact of their creativity in the way God made them? I feel like when, after your message this week, that that's so much about who we are when you really stop to think about your talents and that you are yourself creating something. Mm-hmm. What, how do we help people that may not see that? Because I mean, I look at you and like pick a week. What instrument will Richard be playing this week? Or, you know, mm-hmm. being able to sing and being able to write music. And that's a real talent that I think a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. How do we help people that may feel a little left out? Yeah. You know, I get that a lot. You know, oh, you're so talented. And, you know, it, the thing is, though, it's a two way street because I'm like, wow. You know how to fix things or you can work on a car like, wow, if only I could do that. I could save so much money. So it's like everybody looks at each other. We all look at each other that way. And I think some – the nature of some talents or – you know. by the way, I didn't just – you know, was it didn't come out of the womb playing instruments. You know, I I have had to sit in a dimly lit room by myself and (laughs) practice for hours on end. Everything. They don't just they don't just come. It's just how I chose to spend a lot of my time growing up. And so, you know, everybody has I think they have their nuance and they have their own special way that they do it. Whatever that is, you know, and some people it's hospitality, some people, even homemakers. I mean, I'm, I'm awed by homemakers, you know, and they can maybe just lay down a plate of some, some food or something like, you know, the colors, the way it's presented. I mean, this is, it can be anything. It can be graciousness. I mean, there's just so much about, again, it's one of the things I was talking about was just overlooking simple things like overlooking creation like we just sometimes you know i'm like constantly listening to things in the car and sometimes i just turn it off and try to just look around me a little bit and just and and so it's that kind of a sense of awareness of who you are and what that thing is for you and and how you can share that with those around you i like that for me i love being on the harley just out in nature and I mean, it's not good to zone out too much when you're riding a motorcycle. So you got to you got to be careful with what you're doing. But there's certain situations that will lend itself to just kind of being in awe of as you ride for a couple hours and you see, you know, you may go here in Florida, you go to the beach. And then if you head through Ocala and the rolling hills and the the horse farms and you get to the other coast and it's, you know, the bluer water and the calmer and the sunsets. And you do that all in one day and you just kind of get an idea of how great God's creation really is. And you're you're getting to be a part of it and how like you said, these little gifts that you may not look for, is just to find a place where you can find a little piece of that. And if you don't know, ask somebody, ask a friend. They might be able to tell you what your mm-hmm. gift is. Like, what do you see? Mm-hmm. We all have something. Mm-hmm. This week's message was filled with a ton of great quotes. I considered going like, maybe we should just read these great quotes because you found a ton of them this week that all just helped bring home points that you were trying to make. 
and they covered the spectrum of worship from singing to intergenerational worship with the entirety of the three weeks that we've journeyed through these musical stories of faith. Have we done more than simply scratch the surface? It seems like there's so much more to talk about. But is there anything that you didn't get to but wished you could have, like something that maybe took a wrong turn was like, ah, I can't really go there or maybe next time. Yeah. When, in, that, in that future distant time when you're going to speak again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there is so much that I did. I mean, I, I just, I feel ashamed that I tried to do this in three, three weeks. The two big things that I didn't get to touch on was one as a, per our denomination to talk about early Advent singing and some, who those characters were and how we came through our own hymnals. And there's a whole, there's a great story there. There's a lot of stories about, we were known in, uh, as a young church to be a really powerful singing group of people when we got really? together. So that that's one piece. I would have loved to have gone there. And the other piece is that I, I jumped really from 1900 to 1970. Indeed. And I was just like, there's, you know, there's a lot that happened there. And so just these huge leaps that I had to, to make to get to where I wanted to, to land with what was going on today. Um, so, yeah, it was just a big swash. And, and uh, actually, I was thinking, you know, we'll see where this goes, but maybe next fall, maybe it's just a one, a one thing, but maybe it's a, a, some kind of a hymn fest that we do and just every year talk about some, some piece some of yeah, of some it. different aspect. It doesn't have to be a long series. It sounds but. like you could do a monthly podcast about worship. Yeah, that's that is that is true, Randy. <laughs> I know a guy that might be able to help with that. that I'm just is saying. True. <laughs> so, for someone who's looking to continue to study the topic, because obviously you could have taken six weeks, and I could have asked you that same question a minute ago and you could have still come up with a couple of things that you didn't get to go to. So for someone who's looking to continue, maybe digging a little bit deeper, are there any resources you would suggest to assist with the deeper dive? Even if that's just like you went through some of the the main characters in the golden age, maybe they want to learn more about that. They want to learn more about the transition to hymns from the Psalms and different things. Anything you can think of that maybe a book or an author that has a plethora of books and we can put those links in today's show notes if you have something. For sure. There's a name that you should know, and that is uh, Robert J. Morgan. And Dr. Morgan is one of my professors. Um, I, I just graduated. He's recently. not part of the Morgan and Morgan, is he? Not for not, the people? No, no. Okay. no he's, <laughs> he's on the holier side of, of the, the Morgans. <laughs> And he has been literally transformative in, in my life with his teaching, his uh, biblical foundations, and his the way he presents the gospel. But he's written a number of books, particularly on the subject, and they are very, very uh, friendly to the reader. And so he has a series called Then Sinks My Soul. He has three volumes of these, and it's basically – uh, on one page, it has the hymn, and on the next page, it has the story, oh, cool. either with uh, the composer or about that hymn in particular, and nice. three complete volumes. So he has specialty sections of Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter, and then he just has you know some timelines. But he's a great storyteller, and that really makes things come alive. Okay. Um, but he's also – you know I, I used one of his quotes about the older generation really yes. needs the younger, younger song. And the younger generation really needs the older songs. Yeah. And he really gets it about 
intergenerational worship, and that is just so important that we learn each other's language and that we give each other some space and some latitude because when we can build that bridge together, that's what really honors God. So anyway, that's the name. There's a couple. That that would be a great starting point for anybody. Does he have a website? Or He does. Okay. And I think it's robertjmorgan.com, but you can just Google that name and I'll link up to it in his, today's show notes. Yeah. So I'll, look, I'll link to his website if you want to get a little more information or reach out directly. And then if they're also – if they're on Amazon, I'll pop that link in there yes. too just so that you Amazon people, me being included – if you wanted, it's super easy to add it to your cart. All right. What if you could like in one sentence, one paragraph, short paragraph, what's the big idea that you've come up with, not only just in this series, you've been doing this for a long time, but like how we have shaped our music in the music program here at the hospital church that someone's like, you know, I really like what they do. How could I tell that to like to my church? Mm-hmm. And if I give them my elevator pitch, what would that be? So I would say uh, three things. I love it. Simple, simple things. Simple. Number like one, it. honor God. Number two, engage the congregation. Number three, pursue excellence. Ooh. So I, you know, you could create a lot of other things, but I think Those first and foremost is God, is the people, and then the team, and just get better. Not perfection. Just notice that difference. Excellence, not perfection. Right. We're going to get better than we were yesterday, and uh, we're going to look after each other. By chasing perfection, we can achieve excellence. Vince Lombardi. <laughs> just for, just in case you missed that. No, I like that because honestly, in those three things, that's something you can shape maybe a music program that's in trouble or mm-hmm. just is non-existent at this point because we don't have a leader. But maybe there's something there's, – there's building blocks mm-hmm. there that you can apply to whatever your circumstances are. Yeah. Actually, there's another one I'd put onto there. That oh, that, that yeah. would be um, be authentic. Yeah. So don't try to be our church, and don't yeah, try to no, be, of course not. Don't yeah. try to be Hillsong. Nope. Do whoever you know. Do whatever song, whatever whatever you have at your church, and and do it the best way you can. And um, if you apply all those four, you're going to do it well. Mm-hmm. Or you're I'm going to have to write that down. I have to listen to this, this again, again. Write those things down. <laughs> that's pretty, that, that's, that could be another podcast that's right another, there. Just, that's it. We're going to investigate how to do all four of those really, really well with Richard at some time in the future. I feel good about it. All right. One of this week's FHE Takeaways asked the question, what does your life as art say about who you are? And I had to think about this one a while, and I'm not sure I still have a clear answer for me. But I think this is a question that would benefit each of us to answer about ourselves. Because really, what does our life say about us. So if you have an idea of what yours does, voicemail text 407-965-1607 or email podcast at hospitalchurch.org with your answers. And of course, if you send something in, we'll definitely read it. Or if you if you leave me a voicemail, we'll play it. And that makes it easy because then everyone can hear it in your words. All right. Our final thoughts this week are from the ending of Richard's message and a quote from Francis Schaefer, was it? Mm-hmm. That I spelled? There's mm-hmm. no H there, but I'm like, maybe. And he said, no work of art is more important than the Christian's own life. And every Christian is called upon to be an artist in this sense. They may have no gift of writing, no gift of composing or singing, but each person has the gift of creativity in terms of the way they live their life. In this sense, the Christian's life is to be an artwork. The Christian's life is to be a thing of truth and also a thing of beauty in the midst of a lost and despairing world. Revisit that FHE takeaway that I just mentioned a moment ago with that last sentence. 
The Christian's life is to be a thing of truth and also a thing of beauty in the midst of a lost and despairing world. And put that as your why, and suddenly its importance is extremely magnified. That even if you don't know what your gift is right now, how you live for Jesus is absolutely your why. Mm -hmm. All right, there must be something new in the air if this is our final week with Richard. <laughs> told myself I wasn't going to cry. Gratitude, grace, gratitude, and generosity. This smells like an Andy McDonald message to me. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Andy. I don't have confirmation of that because my email didn't tell me it that. Is. But is it? I is it Andy? confirm that rumor. Well, you, you, yes. <laughs> I'm like, this has got to be Andy it's McDonald. It's time for him to be back. It's time to be yes. back. It fall is in the air. It's that end of season message series that we look forward to each and every year. And he finds another way to be creative to get us to be generous. Yes. Which is good. Yes. We need to be reminded. That is a problem that we have, all of us. With all of us, yes. all the time, whether we choose to admit how deep mm -hmm. that problem runs or yeah. not. All right. That's going to do it for this week and for this series, sadly. Thank you, Richard, for making time to be here and there and everywhere. Because I know each week there's something different going on in your schedule and to make time to be here. So do join us again next Wednesday. It's episode 182, and I'm sure Andy will be back. And who knows? Maybe even Jeff. Mm -hmm. He might be able to stay this time, too. You just never know. He's got a busy schedule. He and does. Our, our, when we juggle days and times, it makes it hard for Jeff to join us. But we do appreciate him making the effort this week, and we love it when he's here. So that'll do it. Have a great week, guys. And cut.